0: On this edition of the Michigan State of Sports, we are joined by the Detroit News' Tony Paul. We talk everything from U.S. Open to the Detroit Tigers rebuild, to a few metaphors that may or may not have landed. We'll explain. That's coming up next on the Michigan State of Sports. Welcome in, happy Monday, happy something else? No, just Tony, it's uh
1: it's uh, it, we're going to try to make this um a positive positive day because from hence on forward every day is getting shorter and I hate that time of the year. I because I just I love summer so much, but the days are getting shorter. So that means we need to deliver with the can't miss Michigan State of sports. I
0: love it. You're right. Summer solstice, the longest day of the year, the brightest day of the year. How about we bring our best show of the year? I think we're ready to do this
1: oh, There we go. Are and Tony, things? I know the last couple of episodes I had fallen into this, oh, it's summer. I'd rather be golfing or boating. I didn't watch a lot of sports. Our team suck, ah, poor me. But this past weekend, Tony, I don't want to go out and fully declare being back, but I did my best, lay on the couch, drink way too many silver bullets, watch way too much sports, eat, eat bad food, for for both Saturday and Sunday, I mean, we're talking NBA, NHL, obviously the US Open, a little Tigers baseball, but it felt so good to be back immersed in sports and, and this time of year with so much going on where you got the playoffs in both the NHL and the NBA, the US Open, and I'll all and no matter what, Tiger baseball is always gonna take some some port, portion of my attention. So I don't want to again not not coming out and saying I'm all the way back, but uh, it was just a big back. yes. It was a significant step forward. Oh, I'm back. I'm back in a couple other ways too. It was a big step forward, and it felt good to just be consumed by sports this weekend.
0: It's been a big week for our friend Jake, and we're happy for him. And uh, and you're right, Father's Day weekend is a is a huge sports weekend. Uh, I mean, with the U.S. Open, with the Tigers, and, and you mentioned the playoffs. Uh, so I did some of the same. I was relatively tuned in as Jake gyrates on the other side of my Zoom call. Um, I was relatively tuned in, not, not as quite as good as you, but, I mean, it was a big weekend. And that's why we're going to have a big guest. Tony Paul of the Detroit News will jo- join us momentarily. Uh, and I love talking Tigers baseball with him. I mean, he's one of the, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those ones that runs a little long. And it's not because he, uh, d- d- he doesn't ha- have anything to say. It's because we always have too much to talk about. And it's kind of hard to to know what I'm very guilty of knowing when to shut my mouth. So uh, super excited for it. And um, I guess we should probably just get to it. What do you say? Let's Trey? do it. Okay, but before we do, one last reminder that this episode of Michigan State of Sports is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, Cutting Edge Landscaping. Go to A2CuttingEdge.com to find out what this 25-year family-owned landscaping service can do for you. They're based out of Ann Arbor. It's the it's the summer solstice now, so you're all, we're getting towards the towards the, the meat and potatoes of the, of the heat. Um, I mean, we got a little bit of rain. There have been drought conditions. I mean, if you need anyone taking care of your lawn, making sure your plants are right, making sure everything is just tip top shape, you want that curb appeal, cutting edge landscaping can do that for you, make you stand out, Be the be the talk of the town in the neighborhood if you will so uh, go to a2cuttingedge.com give joe and his team an email give him a call get a consultation tell them what you need and if you tell them that you heard about it on the michigan state of sports you'll get the very best rate possible all right now here he is and as promised the self-described shane halter of the detroit news uh because he says he does a little bit of everything but not anything well Incorrect. He does a lot of everything and all of it extremely well. We are joined now by the Detroit News is Tony Paul, also my namesake. I don't know if anybody knows. I am Tony Paul Garcia, named after this Tony Paul. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for
2: the inspiration wow. for,
0: for my name and for everything for joining
2: us. Yeah, that. Yeah, if I didn't, if I didn't feel old enough, that makes me feel really old. <laughs> Thanks, man.
0: You're welcome. Now, you could be my big brother, and my like, yeah. my parents liked you so much that they just run it back. Yeah. Good name. There
2: you go. There you go. How you guys doing?
0: We're hanging in, man. You you're the one who uh woke up uh early on a Monday with us and uh we're just happy to happy to have you, happy to be here. Jake, how are you? Yeah.
1: No, real quick on that same subject, Tony. I I never oh, both Tony's here. I always get the zoom link from this guy, Tony Paul. And then this week I'm already, you know, half asleep as it is. We do this a little bit early in the morning. And I on the zoom, you see Tony Paul, Tony Paul. And I, I'm seeing double. So I and I now I actually know that the, there's a reason behind that.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we were... thanks for having me, guys. This I only wake up early for uh, for you guys and golf, so you should be on <laughs> Good, good. And
0: how about we make it worth your while? We touch on a little bit of both. We get to do this. It uh... was a big golf weekend as well, um, obviously. And I know you were tuned into it. Um, what a story, John Rahm! Uh, after a, a wild couple of weeks coming off the Memorial, where he was going to run away with it, then he gets the pro- positive COVID test, has to withdraw. Ho hum, no problem. Let's come back and uh, hold on for this U.S. Open. What did you think of uh, of this weekend's tournament, Tony? Well,
2: uh, it was a fascinating tournament, and obviously the final storyline with Rom winning was just perfect. Um, with like you said, everything he went through at the Memorial, and not just that he had to withdraw from the tournament after leading by six and you know you can argue whatever you want and i've seen all the arguments on social media what should have happened and uh, the bottom line is that it was the pga tour rules and he was stuck with it but i think the way he handled it the way he responded um he took it you know he accepted it and moved on and uh, it's a great life lesson you know bad things are going to happen um in all walks of life. And it's how you respond. And sometimes, and he said this yesterday at his closing press conference, which I thought was very fitting in that, you know, it's not about, you know, the bad stuff that happens in your life. And we've all had terrible things happen uh, in in our lives. It's just, that's, that's life. It's how you respond and, and what you make of it and what happens next. And, um, the way he handled it and the way he responded and came out to Tory Pines with a fresh mindset and and won the darn thing for his first major was couldn't have been a better story. But um, just the whole day yesterday was fascinating. And I know we were supposed to uh, do this interview last night, and I told Tony that you know eight o'clock was a little early because I wanted to watch the rest of the golf. Uh, and uh, it was just a fascinating final round. I mean, if you looked at the leaderboard at five o'clock, yeah. maybe five thirty. I mean, the names on that leaderboard, it was a, it was, it looked like the world golf ranking. I mean, you had, I mean, Brooks and Bryson and I I know everyone was rooting for a playoff with those two and that would have been fun. (laughs) Uh, Colin Morikawa, uh, Rory McIlroy, you know, Justin Thomas was making a move at one point. Dustin Johnson was there. Um, You know, just tons of, I mean, it was a who's who it was one of the, for a tournament without tiger woods, it was the most star studded Sunday leaderboard at a major that I can even recall, even with Tiger Woods. So um, just a fascinating tournament. Everyone was in it. And that's a tribute to the USGA. They, you know, everyone criticizes how they set up courses all the time. And, you know, their goal is always, they say to identify the best players in the world and they clearly did it with what they did out at Torrey Pines. I mean, it was fascinating. It was just, I was a little bummed that, the, you know, then there was like that half hour stretch where, you know, Rory made a double, and Brooks made a bogey, and Morikawa made a double, and Bryson made a who knows what on that par five, and um, so the guys kind of fell off. But uh, the the finish with Rom and and Usti uh, was was pretty was pretty thrilling. It was a fun major. The U.S. Open's always fun anyway because we all love with as bad of golfers as we all are. We all love seeing the best in the world struggle. Um, so it's a fun tournament to watch anyway, but yesterday was just it was it was better than the norm. It was a lot of fun,
1: no doubt. And Tony, that's kind of where I wanted to to take the conversation because uh, uh, as, as as Tony Tony Garcia can attest to, like I always make it all about myself. I <laughs> had if, no- it <laughs> easier,
0: if it makes it easier, Jake, I call him TP.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go. go with that. <laughs> but I, I had, uh, I, you know, sometimes do a little wagering and and thought, I thought it would, I thought I had this gut feeling it was, it was Louis O's turn. And, uh, you know, and of course it, it helps when he had the lead down the stretch the way he did, but I thought he just, and again, probably being way too critical you got to give all the credit in the world to rom for how he finished it out on 17 and 18 but do you think do you think is it me just being a little picky that maybe louis played a little bit conservative i mean he had a couple of those par putts that he putts that he saved for par down the stretch but it was it was so fun to watch but at the same time it was help i felt helpless for louis
2: well, uh, yeah, and I, I had a feel when he had the lead by two, I thought that it was going to be him because uh, he's such a solid player. The one thing he does struggle with when he gets into the mix and, and the Sundays um, in tight situations is putting and and um, missing some putts. He didn't have a huge problem with that yesterday, um, but uh, you, you could say he played conservative and you could talk about 18 and that's fine. But um, he played aggressive on 17, and I think that was his mistake. Um, you know, if you looked at 17 all week long, um, the players were just bombing it out to the right. They didn't care that they missed the fairway to the right, missed the you know, way right, didn't matter. They were all aiming that way because of the canyon on the left. Um, outside of Bryson, who took on the canyon a couple times and actually flew it over the canyon. Um, but Louie took on the canyon on 17 on the left. And uh, his ball didn't cut, and, you know, he, did, he hit it into an unplayable and had to take a drop. That's where he lost the tournament. People yep. can – him and Haw about 18. And I got into a spirited debate with Neil Rule yesterday on Twitter afterward that he was criticizing Louie for, for being soft and, you know, laying up on an 18. And I heard this from other people as well. The bottom line is he had 240 yards uh, with a terrible lie out of the intermediate rough – um to carry the water and I told Neil and, and I, I believe this. I mean you can make an eagle from sixty yards, you know, the odds aren't great, but they're a lot better than making eagle from the bottom of a lake. And uh <laughs> you know he gave himself he gave himself a chance. And it's funny because I, I reminded Neil <laughs> We were playing a match. uh, It was me and my uncle against Neil and Josh Katzenstein. I don't know if you remember Josh. He used to cover the Lions for us. He's down in New Orleans now. But anyway, this was like six, seven years ago. We were playing a match out at Inkster Valley. Um, And the second hole was a par five. And my partner was in his pocket already. And I had about 230 to the green. And there's a crick that runs along in front of the green. And I felt like, well, with my partner in his pocket, I better, you know, not really go after this one. So I laid up and I heard some of the most foul language from Neil and Josh aimed at my direction uh, for the next five minutes till I got to my ball and then proceeded to dunk it from 120 yards with a nine iron for an eagle. And so I I told Neil, I said, of all people that should know what can happen, (laughs) uh, you know, um, that uh, it should be you. Uh, I just felt like, you know, he wasn't going to, you know, there was such a, it was probably a 70% chance he was going to hit it in the water. And even if he flew the green from that lie, he's going to fly, or he flew it over the water, he's going to fly the green. He's not going to be able to stop the ball. Uh, He's likely going to be chipping downhill anyway. It's going to be a very marginal shot. Uh, I felt like he gave himself a chance, and he was bummed that he had to lay up. But I, I thought that was the right move. I talked to a couple golfers, pro golfers, last night, and they kind of agreed with me. The one thing I hate that people said was that, oh, he was playing for the second place paycheck by laying <laughs> by laying up. And um, I don't know. I mean, if I you heard know, that you conversation, you know, if you, know, well, if yeah. you see. If you see the, the eyes and the UPS logos on, on Louis's clothing, i can guarantee you, the man's not thinking about a second place paycheck. Um, I, he's, he's well off. And so, you know, he was giving himself the best chance to win. It wasn't a good chance, but, um, he knew the situation. He knew the lie. He, you know, the one thing he could have maybe done was take a little bit more club and try to run it up the right. But that's even a marginal play because if you, if you pull it a little bit, you're in the water. So, um, the 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 problem shot there was the t-shot on 17. I think that cost him the tournament. It wasn't 18. We can debate about what he would have, you know. I love hearing people online say I would have gone for it. It was only 240. Okay. Well, <laughs> you've never played the lies that these guys are playing out of the rough of the US Open. I can guarantee you that. And uh, you know, he knew his game and he's not Bryson. He doesn't hit the ball as far as as a lot of the guys out there and he gave himself a chance to uh, dunk one, and you know it was over on seventeen. Though that's the reality.
0: Yeah, I mean, when, when he had to take that drop, and he still mm-hmm. had the chance at the putt. Was, there was nine, right? Nine feet ago, but I agree. Um, I mean, mm. this is—he uh he is the the elder generation sort of Xander Shoffley. I mean, he is Mister <laughs> Runner Up. He is all right. <laughs> and this dude is not trying to save, trying to get an extra million. He's not hurt. No, said it very eloquently. He's not. No. Playing. For the, for the paycheck. None, no, I mean, none of these guys who are in contention on Sunday are playing for paychecks.
2: No, they aren't. And, uh, you know, uh, that was the weakest comment I, I heard was that he played it safe so he could make the extra $500,000. And I'm sorry, but uh, no, that's definitely not the case.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think so either. And, um, I guess just just a transition to, to other people who don't need money, don't need to play for paychecks. But uh, there's not a lot of big money names on this roster. That was that was a that was a half assed transition.
2: That was I've that was you can do better. That's it. Right. I know,
0: I well, we're, know. Can, But we're moving on to Tigers. And see, <laughs> okay. normally I would have been like, well, Tiger plays golf, and now the Tigers yeah, not is. even playing. So I had to take one better on the fly. Anyway. <laughs> Things we care our... less about. Things we care less about. Tiger plays
2: so. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, there
0: we go. Um, I mean, you're one of our resident Tigers guy here, Tony. And um, I would, without any prompting, I want to know what you think of the first couple months of this season. And not really. We don't need to go all the way back to April. But – How about since that nine and twenty three start? I mean, just what are you thinking overall? Impressed with Hinch? Impressed with the rotation? The development of the younger guys? um, That we finally don't have to see Jacoby Jones try to try to field and they're letting the younger guys get in. I said I wasn't going to lead you. Here I am leading you, Uh, Tony. What what do you what do you think about where the Tigers are at right now?
2: Uh, Well, you mentioned Hinch. I mean. What a great hire. I mean, the best. I mean, that was the one thing that really impressed me about this Tiger team. There hasn't been a lot that it's impressed me about this front office for the last four or five years. But um, when they went out and got A.J. Hinch, I mean, what a great move. And so uh, no complaints there. Um, they got the best manager possible, um, which is great. Uh, but it'll only really be great if they end up giving him the pieces to work with. And that's still an unknown. We, we haven't been given any evidence yet that uh, Chris Hillich is going to spend, but um, you know, that's for, I guess, down the road. But um, as far as this team, they're kind of what I thought they would be um, in that they're, and I told the people that it's before the season that, you know, they're going to suck, um, but they're going to at times be entertaining Um, And if you're in the entertainment business, uh, particularly sports, and you're going to suck, at least be entertaining because then you have a reason to buy your product, you know, for fans to buy your product. You know, I liken it to a little bit like the 1990s, early 1990s Tigers. I know you guys are younger, so maybe you aren't overly familiar with the early 90s Tigers, but they were a terrible baseball team with terrible pitching. I think one year their team ERA team ERA was over six, but they could hit. Um, they, you know, they had a, a lineup that included guys like Cecil Fielder and Mickey Tettleton and Rob Deere and Travis Fryman and P- at times Pete and Caviglia had Eric Davis for a while. Uh, they could just hit. They hit home run after home run and they were fun to watch. They were terrible, but they were fun to watch. Um, I kind of thought that this team would be a little bit in that realm. They don't obviously have the power, but they have some pieces that you can watch and are entertained by. And finally, after four or five years of the rebuild, or seven years, whenever you want to put the dot on the rebuild start, everyone has a different opinion when it started. Um, but finally, if you squint really hard, you can finally see some of the future in front of you. You can see Casey Mize, who had another good start yesterday, um, really has only had one bad start all year. Uh, and people you know, were so nervous already after he had two bad starts last year. Um, you're starting to see that they have a pretty good piece here. They have Tarek Skugel. They have Spencer Turnbull. They have some arms in the bullpen you can be excited about. They have a lot of good arms. Matt Manning's first start was fun. Um, you know, so uh, you're starting to see the pieces. So that's entertaining. Um, offensively, you know, there's not a ton on that roster that you, that you can kind of look and say, all right, they're going to be here when this team starts contending. Although, um, you know, you are seeing guys like Candelario um, the Castros on occasion, um, guys that are, are impressing a little bit. Um, and, uh, and you look in the minor leagues and you see what Spencer Torkelson's doing, um, already you know, called up to double A and already has two home runs to double A. You see what Riley Green's doing. You see what Dylan Dingler's doing. Um, so you're finally starting to get it, you know, finally starting to see these young pieces, which when you see that, and uh, you see that nucleus coming together, then you start to say, all right, when are the Tigers going to start spending? And that's where the unknown is, right? Um, because Chris Illich, since he's owned the team, the team has been in rebuild mode. And he said he said constantly that we'll spend when the time is right without putting a timetable on it. Um, we have to take him at his word. And it's hard to take Chris Illich at his word because there's no track record. There's no evidence to back it up. The only thing he's ever promised the city of Detroit is District Detroit. And that's a sea of parking lots. And so we have to, you know, that's the only thing we can go on. So fans are understandably skeptical that he's ever going to start spending. If he does, and I argued that last offseason was the time to start, but others have said it'll be this offseason. If you start spending this offseason, you're going to start to see this team looking more like a contender next year and probably legitimately contending two years from now
1: yeah, count me in as one that's uh, a skeptical on on the whole yeah. spending thing just because mm-hmm. exactly what you alluded to. But I and and again, everybody's got an opinion on on when the right time is to start spending. Another thing everyone's got an opinion on, Tony. Curious yours. And one area I struggle with this is just the whole Miguel Cabrera approach. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to go from from fanboy who idolized Miguel Cabrera growing up and see and still sees him as the triple crown winner to what he is now, obviously a shell of himself, but he's still uh in the lineup and and I also saw a crazy stat. The Tigers are like 17 and two when he has uh an rbi or something something insane like that but obviously a shell of himself now what do you think is is the best approach in in terms of just where cabrera needs to fit in in this team that's rebuilding
2: yeah i think um you know I, i i don't think people would be talking about this so much if the angels didn't um let Pujols go earlier this season, right? Right. Uh, because that's the comparison that kind of people draw. Uh, and it's a fair comparison. These guys came up pretty much similar times pool. is a little bit older, but, um, they were two of the best right-handed hitters in the history of the game, playing their career arcs are very similar. Um, and the angels cut ties with Pujols. And so all of a sudden you started hearing some tiger fans going, well, when's the time for Miguel? Well, there's a big difference. Pujols was in the last year of his contract. Um, And the, you know, the Angels just didn't really think they had a spot for him. And so they just decided to move on. Well, you know, the difference is Cabrera's obviously got two more years on his contract um, at 66 or $64 million or whatever it is. Um, So there's a little bit of a financial hang up there. And uh, they're also in different places. The Angels expect to contend this year, expect to be, they expected to be in the playoffs. Uh, Of course, they've expected that for years. And and it's been a terrible run for them out there. Um, But the Tigers aren't they're not in contending mode. And so I think they're handling this about as well as they can. I mean, Cabrera is healthy, um, as, as supposedly, and as, you know, yeah, he's a shell of himself, no question, but he's healthy enough to go out there and play. Um, the Tigers don't need that roster spot necessarily with a better player, to, you know, so that they can try to sneak into the playoffs cause they're not going to make the playoffs. He's chasing history. Um, I think the Tigers are really hopeful, that he can get to that 500 homer and 3000 RBI or 3000 hit plateau this, this year. So that that's behind them. And so if they do have to make some tough decisions um, after this season, they can look at that. Uh, but right now they're handling it, you know, like, I, like any I anybody should, I mean, they're not contending. Uh, people still come to the ballpark to watch him, by the way. I mean, you're watching a historical player, uh, arguably, you know, the, arguably probably a top three right-handed hitter in the history of the game. And they don't need that roster spot. So he they can put him out there. Now, if they're getting to the point next year where it's, you know, they think they can contend, uh, I still think it's two years away. But if they believe it's next year, they're going to have some decisions they're going to have to make. Uh, I, I don't think they'd cut him in spring training next year. Um, I think they'd want to see what he has, but uh, yeah, they're getting to the point where they're uh, within the next year or so, they're going to have to make a difficult decision on what they want to do with him uh, because uh, eventually uh, that roster spot's going to need to produce more than what he's producing. And the sad thing is, is this year doesn't really stand out as an outlier. Um, He's been, pretty average ball player um, from a wins above replacement standpoint for the last few years now. Um, So, you know, you look at, well, David Ortiz came back when everyone wrote him off. Well, he had a bad year. And then, you know, yeah, people wrote him off. And then he ended up having five or six more great years. Well, Cabrera's kind of been on a downward trend for a while. Um, So I think the end is probably coming close. Uh, but it's not going to be this year, and it doesn't need to be this year um, because the Tigers don't need that roster spot.
0: Big surprise here. Um, you made a great point. And, uh, and, I, and I see it the same way. And I think the last portion of it also, and I don't know how much this plays into it, is Albert Pujols in L.A. does not mean the same thing as what Cabrera means here, on top of the fact.
2: Right, that's the true.
0: situation doesn't line up, and – uh, and he's not holding anyone back. He's not, like you said, right. taking up that roster spot. And they're not contending. So, I mean, right. I think I'm in lockstep with you. Uh, he's still the nucleus of this team. Right, wrong, <laughs> or indifferent, he is. And um, everybody loves him. And everybody rallies around him. And if you're going to be a 10-win-under-500 team, why not have him still trying to give people the Adrian treat Belt- Right, Belt- Belt-
2: Belt- right. And, right. and you know, the and the, and the argument I made – Um, I made a comment and over the off season that kind of people ridiculed me for, which is nothing new. I make a lot of dumb comments that are very worthy of being ridiculed, but, um, this one, I think they took the wrong way. Um, I made the comment in the off seasons that Cabrera is, will end up being well worth the massive extension they gave him and, you know, and, and people are like, oh, he's, he's a blow war player and he has been, and he's been hurt, blah, blah, blah. And my point was he's a legacy player. You know, if you look at that, if you look in the stands and you see all the jerseys that people wear, you're going to be seeing Miguel Cabrera jerseys in in that, in the stands of Comerica park for a hundred years. I mean, long after all of us are gone, Cabrera's name is going to be, uh, you know, still selling merchandise a hundred years from now. That's what I meant. He provides value to the organization, whether he's contributing now or not. So, um, you know, that's all I meant by that. But I think that, you know, I just hope that, uh, I just hope that it's, uh, you know, that he gets through the the final years of his contract. I think we all want to see that I'm not optimistic that happens, but I think given everything he's done and when he was on and one of the best players in baseball, man, it was just a buzz in the ballpark every time he came to the plate. So I hope he gets through the two years um, with um, with no issues and can rebound a little bit. But again, that's a decision they just don't have to make right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 11 to 14 or 11 to 15, mm-hmm. any, anytime. He's up, oh, my God. You shouldn't do his extra bases. Um, an mm-hmm. And an was weird. And a double player, a strikeout was what just happened because um, he's mm-hmm. just driving the ball to all, all parts of the park. But a little more positively, I want to think about just just continuing to push this future narrative for the Tigers. And I think – I was trying to find a good way to say it. I don't know if I ever did, but in a weird way, I don't know if you're kind of seeing this at all. This is sort of going like the way the Pistons just went this year, although it's different in, in a way and <laughs> eloquently in the fact that – I think there are some guys who are on one-year deals or like, like a Derek Rose type who would be like Jose Cisnero or like something like that, who would be um, like a Jonathan scope, who are guys who are playing well, who clearly have no place here in the future, who you should be able to get off. And I hope they do. And then that opens up other spots. I mean, I guess they, I mean, like Paredes would be able to play more in scope spot, for instance. I don't know if any of the young pitchers are being held back, but they are cleaning a house as they have been and have been and have been but the young guys are actually the ones getting all the bulk of the minutes and they're led by this new voice or this new direction which for the Pistons would be Troy Weaver for the Tigers is AJ Hinch and it's one you can actually trust it is one that you are seeing tangible differences and so do you see at all what I'm saying like the arc Mm -hmm. and the the trajectory of the change of, of, of these organizations happening
2: Yeah, I I do. Uh, I I think you make a good point, Um, you know, with a a, a good comparison. I I think that it's fair. Um, You're definitely seeing, you know, a lot of fans like to do, you know, they like to look at the fact the Tigers haven't made the playoffs since 14 and therefore the rebuilds a disaster. Well, you know, that's not necessarily accurate. Um, You can argue about whether the rebuilds taken too long. Uh, I would shoot back a little bit that the rebuilding in baseball is a little bit longer process. uh, If you're going to do it right, than it might be in other sports. First of all, you have a draft where the guys don't play right away. Right. And so that's, that's a big difference. So the Tigers have had all these high draft picks, but it takes time to get them to the major leagues. You're just starting to see that with Casey Mize, Tarek Skubel and you're going to be seeing that soon with Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Dylan Dingler, all these guys. So it takes a little bit of time, but um, they you're starting to see the pieces again. You're also starting to see them cut bait with guys that they're just running out of patience with, which last year, the year before the year before that they didn't run out of patience with anybody because, frankly, they didn't have anyone to replace them. But now you can see them replacing a guy like Jacoby Jones because, frankly, they got better. Uh, They got other guys and they don't have to sit around and wait for him anymore that you might see that happen. You you might see that with, yeah. And you might see that with Daniel Lawrence, a guy that I thought, you know, would be a big part of this future, but I think time might be running out on him Um, and it's because they have the pieces now, but you're right. When you say they, they brought in a legitimate leader in AJ Hinch. Right. Um, And when they made, when garden announced he was leaving and garden was never going to be the guy that brought this team to the playoffs. He was basically hired to be essentially what Alan Trammell was hired to be back in the early two thousands, which was a glorified babysitter, you know, keep the franchise moving, you know, don't embarrass the franchise, you know, and just get us to the next step. And then we'll, you know, get the guy who puts us over the top, which is AJ Hinch. And I thought um, the Tigers made a resounding statement when they hired A.J. Hinch. Um, they had a manager opening and there was clearly the best manager in baseball available. And you can argue, you know, and I have heard the arguments that when they went shopping and they hired A.J. Hinch, you know, I heard Tiger fans, some of them call it, you know, all hypocritical. They hired a cheater, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> well, my response to that was, look, he was given a punishment he paid the he paid the penalty, which was a year of suspension, and that's not the Tigers' issue. The Tigers' issue was to get better and to put in place a guy who can see them to the winning ways again. And so that everything that happened was not the Tigers' concern. The Tigers' only concern was to go out and get the very best manager available, and that's exactly what they did in AJ Hinch. If you pull every manager in baseball. You know, A.J. Hinch would probably be voted the best manager in baseball by more than half of them. And the Tigers saw that, and they went out and got him. Great move. But, again, it's only a great move if they spend the money to give him the pieces to work with. And, uh, you know, and that's the beauty in baseball and that you can spend whatever you want to win. His Chris Illich's father did that. He did as much as that as he could. Uh, and it caught, you know, the Tigers during Mike Illich's era, they would lose $50 million a year. Uh, you know, when they were spending at their highest and even drawing at their highest, they would lose $50 million a year. The old man didn't care. The difference is Chris Hillis does care. He's going to run this like a business. So they're not going to have $200 million payrolls anymore, but they can comfortably have a payroll of 120 to 150. Uh, they're about half that now. And so eventually there has to come a time where you got to spend. And I argued that it would be, and I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, tangent here but I argued that the right time for that would have been this past off season. Because for a couple of different reasons, one, they had, there was bargains to be had because of the pandemic guys were signing for less. So yeah, it costs you a little bit more money now and you're not selling tickets, but these contracts could be locked up for a bargain down the road if you're forward thinking. So I felt like they could have got a guy like a DJ LeMay and a George Springer, put them in place for when this team is ready to contend, maybe even speed up the rebuild by a year um, and get things moving. When they won in 2006, everyone says it came out of nowhere. It didn't come out of nowhere. They started spending money in 2000, January 2004 when they signed Padre Rodriguez. 2005, they signed Megler Doniz. They trade for Carlos Guillen. Then 2006, they signed Kenny Rogers, Todd Jones, kind of put them over the top to mix in with guys like Verlander and Granderson and Zumaya, and all of a sudden you've got a winner. It's a multi-offseason process to mesh your homegrown talent with the free agent additions. And I felt like not doing that this past off season set them back a year. I felt like they could have, they could have been contenders in maybe in 2022, if they spent this past off season and then spent again next off season. Now I think it pushes you back a year, maybe even two.
0: Yeah. I, I, I see it the same way, but that also might sort of, a little more naturally align with the arc of when Green gets here, when Manning is ready, when Scoobal and Mike right. are really ready. Because mm. next year, like it might just be sort of forcing the issue a little bit. Like you, everything would have had to hit if you do it this offseason, you learn this year, and then try to contend next year. I feel mm. like. I don't know. It's like like a relationship like you don't like you don't want to get in, like, yes, there's a time that you need to get engaged, you need to get to the wedding. And I did think it was this year. But you know, like if the bride's not ready, it's not the right time of the year to propose and her hair's not done. The nails aren't right. You can't you can't force it. You gotta it needs to be right for for her timeline as well.
1: Tony, that's, enough of, yeah, enough of your analogies like that, man. <laughs> Some of, We're not all in on these, these analogies. Could you, could you speak our language? You're more in on these analogies than you uh, are a few weeks don't, don't even, Tony Garcia. Don't even. No, I was Tony racking Paul, my brain.
0: Is dating my coworker. <laughs>
1: easy there i'm <laughs> racking my brain trying to figure out a way to to disagree with everything tp just said but uh the the part that really jumped out to me when i thought you know making the move with with aj hinch is is almost like the 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 first big move that would then symbolize okay we're ready we're ready to go right now and i i obviously i'm not a patient person i just wanted it to happen now 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 but uh you know if if that's the first thing that has to happen and then we spend in the following offseason okay okay we'll we'll I, i'm I'm in on that.
2: Right. No, I I think that that's, look, if they spend this offseason, which my colleague Lynn Henning, who's more in tune with the team than I am, insists that a big move, possibly two, is coming this offseason, then great. You know, things move in that direction, right direction. Uh, And, you know, ideally this team will be contending by 2023, I guess would be your timeline. Um, And, I, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that'll happen and uh, they can get there. Uh, But then, you know, you got the other question too, is that, you know, the guy making these moves is going to be Al Avila. And uh, you know, the track record's not strong there. (laughs) Now, uh, you know, I wrote now to be fair, uh, and I wrote a big piece about this in the news about a month or two ago, where I kind of looked at every move he's made as general manager, right. Uh, Even the small, from the small ones to the big ones. Um, People like to compare him to Dombrowski because he was Dombrowski's right hand man for so long. And it's just not a fair comparison because when Dombrowski was fired, uh, it was basically, and that was in the summer of 15, it was basically the start of the changing of the guard with the Tigers and the changing philosophies. Um, Some people argue that the rebuild started then because, uh, you know, they made a bunch of trades before Dombrowski was fired. Uh, And then that offseason, Mike Yulich kind of changed his mind a little bit and decided to give it one more go, right? And he, he signed Zimmerman, he signs Justin Upton, kind of a, a half-hearted attempt to maybe get that ring before he died, uh, and it just didn't work. Um, so there's a big difference, and then, you know, the trading happened, and then the rebuild really started. There's a big difference between Dabrowski and Avila. Dabrowski was given all the money in the world to build a winner, and uh, to his credit, made a lot of great moves and a lot of great trades. He also was the general manager during a time where it was okay to trade prospects for, for star talent, right? That's the baseball narrative is kind of shifted in that regard. Most people, most teams don't do that anymore. And Avila has not been given a blank check. And when he has been given money, the one time, yes, he didn't spend it great um, with Zimmerman and then Upton didn't really pan out. He played fine, but you know, it was time to move on from him. Um, where you, where the concern was with Avila is the trading. And, you know, he obviously hasn't really hit on any of the trades, the Verlander trade, the JD Martinez trade, Um, you know, the only trade he's really, he's hit on really two trades, the Cubs trade for his own kid. And Justin Wilson, he got uh Paredes and Candelaria, which looks like a good trade. And then, you know, he stole Willie Castro from, from the uh, Indians for Leonis Martin, but that's really it. And when his whole roster of trading, and player acquisition, it's just not a very good resume. So, you know, you can, even if you are optimistic that the Tigers are going to actually start spending, you know, there's two th- trains of thought. You have the fans that aren't optimistic, and then you have the fans that believe that you know they will spend. But then you have the guy spending who hasn't really put the track record together. So, um, you know, it's a precarious, dicey situation. Uh, and so, uh, you know, theoretically, this team will contend soon. Um, but then again. You know the track record's just not there for Avila, so it's kind of a, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I guess I'd bet your money that they're gonna turn this thing around, but I'm not sure I'd bet my money. Right.
0: Yeah. Last last thought. It seems like like a common belief is that like oh the Tigers like they did this rebuild, they went through the bottoming out, and here we are. We're on the precipice. The the step is mm-hmm. next. Really this offseason might somehow be the biggest of the whole bunch. I mean, because now is when you are actually making those big, like spending money, adding the names, the guys you've been talking about and are like, oh, just wait till he's here. Just wait. Well, you're seeing it. Like the proof is putting and next thing is putting. And so.
2: Right. No, it's true. I mean, the the players are coming, the young guys, and you're starting to see that. That's the exciting thing because the, the Tigers haven't had a farm system like this since the seventies that's been this heralded throughout all of major league baseball. You know, it's not just one scouting service that calls this tiger's organization, a gold mine in the minors. It's, it's all of them. Um, And uh, even before the 2006 run, they didn't have a minor league system like this. They certainly didn't have one in the nineties. You really have to go back to the seventies where they actually had a minor league system that was this promising. Um, Now the flip side of that is you're just not going to hit on them right that's just the way it is in baseball um you know if you hit on half of your top prospects you've done really really well um but you're starting to see that you know mize is legit you're starting to see that scoobal you know he hasn't had the best year but you can see that it's there the year he had last year you can see that with other guys and then you look in the minors and it's just i mean the offense in the minors with with torgelson and dingler and, and riley green is so exciting so That's again why I said that this year would be fun, even though they're going to be terrible, because you're definitely seeing the pieces. I love how you guys have the free, you're too cheap to pay for the Zoom, too. I'm the same way. We got to talk to
1: upper management
2: about that. I know. I know. We have the same issue when Charbonneau and I would do with these long podcasts with guests, and it would be like, God damn it. We're like rushing to the end (laughs) to try to, you know, or we'd break. We'd purposely break it into two to try to splice it together. Yeah, we're the same way. Yeah, we gotta uh, do that. Hey, this was fun. Thanks for coming out. We'll talk yeah, to you later. Exactly. Yeah, bye. Yeah, gotta go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the house is burning down. Gotta take care of it. I got some stuff I gotta do. <laughs> the baby's it's crying like, in the other room. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Lou Brown from Major League. I got a guy in the other line about some white walls. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, anyway, no. Uh, I mean, as I was saying, you know, look, I think, you know, compared to other teams, I think, uh, you know, other teams on the rebuild uh, they're close. And and again, it's just, it's just that, you know, the final piece it's, you know, they got the guys in the majors that are, that are ready. uh, And then they got the guys in the minors. Torkelson's not far. Dingler's not far. Riley Green isn't even far for being a 20 year old. These guys are on their way. Um, you, You gotta, you gotta pull the right moves in the off season, this off season and next off season when you're on the free agent market, And that's critical because as as promising as their minor league system is, and it is very promising, again, probably the best since the 70s for this organization, uh, as promising as that is, you still got to mesh it with the right moves, like what Dombrowski was able to do in putting the 2006 Tigers together. Uh, Because if you don't, then all of a sudden, you know, if it takes, you know, an extra two years, three years, even four years, then all of a sudden you're starting to look at the prospect of, Wasting uh, a talent, you know, like uh, like a Casey Mize wasting his career um, with, you know, it's almost like what the Angels are threatening to do with Mike Trout. I mean, they're threatening to waste his career uh, with a team that's just not a winner, like with the Lions, you know, like Barry Sanders with the Lions. That's you know, that's what you really don't want to see with the Tigers, with these young guys, as, as good as their farm system is. Um, if you don't make the right moves on the free agent market, you you, you run the very serious risk of, of wasting some generational talent. Um, imagine if they didn't pull the right moves, you know, when Verlander was in his prime, you know, I mean, what a waste that would have been. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's the big concern, uh, but, uh, but we'll see. We're not, you know, I don't think it's panic time yet. I think, like I said, that, you know, this last off season would have been better to get things going, but the next two off seasons are going to be critical and it'll be very interesting to see what they're able to do.
0: I'm with you fully. And I think I, I know Jake and I have talked about this at length at times. And I think we both are. I mean, I really wish something had happened this year, but next year, it, the rubber has met the road and uh, there's always fantasy. next year guys there's always next year <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what we keep telling people um all right tony well thanks so much for joining uh we appreciate it we know you were a good guest because we had to start up the zoom again so we went to and whenever that happens it's because we, we don't want to let you go so thank you uh, as always and uh, we'll get you on here again if, if uh if you're willing or whenever
2: absolutely absolutely thanks guys enjoyed it
0: thanks all tp right.
2: we'll talk to you uh, soon thanks
0: as always that was tony paul one of the best in the business uh, love hearing from him and uh i think he sh- he shared i think this reflects well on us jake because he kind of shared some of our opinions as if we have one opinion as as if we are of one mind
1: right right i know i'm I just like naturally am programmed to how co- anytime somebody's talking how can i disagree hmm. and i just i was racking my brain as i said i i couldn't find anything and uh no, it's it wasn't really all of it. it's just hum, ha, and oh yeah this that and the other and agreeing on everything. But I think uh, there's there's a lot to be on the same page about with what uh, what TP always good stuff had to had to say
0: and it was a lot of fun. Yep, no, it sure was. And I know we wanted to get to this with him ran out of time. Let's you and I do it. Forty five seconds, one minute, quick hit. Tomorrow is the Pistons lottery draft. Are you doing a snow dance in front of the refrigerator a rain dance like the snow day dance like? whatever tar- yeah oh, okay. yeah yeah no no so I, I
1: to quote the great Michael Scott I'm not superstitious but I am a little stitious and <laughs> based on everything that's happened in years past I mean what can you do I've I might just try the whole like oh I don't care like you know when when the cute girl won't talk to you and you're like oh I don't care I don't reverse care psychology yeah right 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 so I'm gonna go oh I don't care what the Pistons pick I mean yeah yeah the NBA doesn't owe us anything No, oh, no no whatever happens happens no they've they're picking number one it's gonna be K cunningham
0: i'm with it i'm with it i'm i'm trying everything i can i'm about to sage like the shit out of my house or something i'm gonna hit it with don't my, do the, that
1: don't do God. that
0: why <laughs> i just don't know if that's gonna help and No, it, i haven't done it before and it hasn't helped so i might need to try
1: all right it isn't kyrie big on that that stuff i'm not i'm not big on the you love the sage kyrie. Nah, stop Kyrie.
0: it. <laughs> <Stop laughs> they recently eliminated Kyrie, man, what a game that was! But all right, no, yeah, a no, couple no of game sevens. Oh yeah, speaking of, I, I feel this is a great place for this. I feel so vindicated about what has happened to the Sixers because for years i oh, have yeah. shit down ben simmons throat and Good. and i don't want to be too hard on them because like they are all people and the more you see these athletes coming out with mental health issues and these things and like yeah i, I we're not going down that whole road but i just want to be sensitive he is a person and it probably <laughs> is a lot to have millions of people riding on you and then shit all over you however you're paid 30 million dollars a year to do a job and you didn't do it and so he's scared,
1: he's scared of the basketball hoop. He, that me. that last possession I've down I've never down the seen stretch. a
0: quote unquote superstar who's worse in my life, and I've been right about this since he was at LSU, and people told me he was going to be the next LeBron James. I said, no, as sure as shit, he's not.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's. Ooh. I mean, kudos to you, and just credit to you all the way because in that same sentence, you said shit down his throat and I'm going to be nice. And, and I know he's a person too, and and be sensitive. So that (laughs) was your version of, yeah, that's, that's being very sensitive, but no, that's a, that's a huge topic that, uh, you know, obviously we're running out of time here, but I think, I think everybody is, is laughing at the Sixers and, and rightfully so.
0: Yeah. What a collapse. What a. oh, oh, Yeah, oh my God. Choking on oatmeal. My God. And some applesauce. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, For Jake, I'm Tony. This is the Michigan State Sports. See you next time. Peace.